Hey, um, this morning we're going to pick up on something that Nicole uh, launched us into last weekend. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Nicole's teaching from last Sunday on the resurrection of Jesus and all of that means, I do want to encourage you to go and listen to that. Go back to the PRV website and you can click on the podcasts or just go to iTunes or SoundCloud or we don't have a Spotify one, do we? No, but there's plenty to pick from is what I'm saying. And so lots of on-ramps for you to be able to access that. So just go back and have a listen to that because A, she did some great teaching and had some wonderful revelation in the midst of all that. But B, if, if, if we had an ear to hear, I think there was an invitation in it from God that was kind of over and above what was actually happening in front of our eyes as Nicole was teaching. I think there was an invitation from God. And I'm going to lean into that a little bit as because Nicole and I, we've been praying into that this last week. Um, she touched on this idea and this theme of new beginnings in the risen Christ. And um, I, I felt last Sunday as we, I was sitting here, I was kind of with a listening ear, listening to Nicole. At the same time, I was kind of having another ear tuned into what the Holy Spirit was saying and I and I sensed the Holy Spirit was talking to us and um, the sense that I had was that he came to us from the future rule of God from the future rule of God so God is is uh, as we know he lives in this reality of past present and future all at the one time and when we connect with Jesus we get caught up into that Reality, where sometimes we experience things from the future. For example, the fullness of healing that's available to people in the future. It breaks in over us and people are miraculously healed in the here and the now. Uh, we, we have um, restoration and reconciliation in relationships and all manner of things. The future breaks in over us with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Holy Spirit broke into us from the future rule of God and with that, he was releasing an invitation to come into what God is doing and wanting to do with you, with me, with us as the people of Jesus on mission with Jesus. And so I want us to kind of lean into that. With that future in breaking, I've, I also sensed I saw like, well, as I was sitting there, it wasn't so much I saw it, I, I was experiencing it. It was like I was being lifted up from like all this mire and mud. It was like, you know, just, you know how grime gets on you after a while? <laughs> you do, you, you take a drive in the car and the car just gets covered in grime. Uh, take a bushwalk, you, you'll get your feet you'll get covered in mud, whatever. It was, I just felt like I, there was all this mire and it was like the Holy Spirit was generously lifting. It was like he was lifting. And I could, it was almost like I could feel the tension between being lifted and the weightiness of the mire. And it was like I was being like stretched out a little bit. But I've, there was invitation in it. I was like, okay, Lord, I want to... I want to lean into this with you I want because I think you want to lift people into what you have won for them in Jesus. And so with that came a sense of like, oh, this is, 
this is doing something in me internally. It was like my heart was starting to spike a little bit. And mentally, my mind was starting to get a little bit like dreamy in regards to what that might lead to, where that might go. And so I was like, I just welcomed it. I was like, yes, Lord, I welcome it. If this is a new beginning thing that your spirit is doing, not just in me, but for us, then let it come, Lord. Begin just lifting everyone up out of the mire, out of all of the grime, all of the stuff that's just gathered over us, even over our community, over our country, just all of the pressures and the realities of trying to do the whole journey with dealing with this pandemic. It's like there's so much mud and fatigue and mire on people. And it was like the Holy Spirit came last Sunday and began to lift. And so I, I, I have this sense, as we've been praying this week, as Nick and I have been praying this week, there, there is new beginnings. And new beginnings feel like the, that stretching experience where you're not quite out of the mud, but you can feel the hope of the future calling you forward. And it's like, oh, yes. And you begin to get a, an appetite for what the possibility of what's coming towards you from God. And you're ready to let go of and you're ready to move beyond the mire of what you've been living in. And so I, I really sense that there is a, a prophetic hope that's visiting people right now. And we, Nick and I, we have always lived this lifestyle of like, we want to do what we see the Father up to. We want to just keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to press into this. We're going to lean into this idea of new beginnings. It's like, where are those points in us personally, in us as a local fellowship of believers, where the Holy Spirit's calling us up and out of where we are, what we think we're meant to be about, and into what the Father's actually doing? in this moment. And so if you want to come for the ride, I invite you. If you don't want to come for the ride, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. I'm just letting you know. If you are going to come for the ride, it'll get uncomfortable as well, but it'll be a great sense of adventure. You know, it's a bit like taking the roller coaster ride. Tick, 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 tick. And if you're at the front seat, it's like, oh, and off we go, you know. So, but I think there's an invitation from the Lord in this whole area of new beginnings. If you've got your Bible with you, I want you to grab it. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 24, the Emmaus Road. And on the Emmaus Road, um, this is post the resurrection, we see Jesus is meeting with, let me see if I can do this. No, oh, hang on. Maybe I'm using the wrong one. It takes me up. Oh, oh, hang on. Okay, let's stay there first. All right, grab your Bibles, Luke 24. And as you're preparing to read this one on the Emmaus Road, I want to just see this scripture reading with a quote from Tom Wright. It's a book called The Day the Revolution Began. And Tom's a great theologian and um, one I recommend you get your teeth into if you want to have a bit of a read, get, in, get into anything that he's written. It's good stuff. He's, a, he's an Anglican bishop in the UK, but he is like one of the leading voices right now in the body of Christ around the world with regards to understanding the kingdom of God. He's got like a good chunk of it. I wouldn't say he's got the whole box and dice, but he's got a good chunk of it. 
He's got a great chunk of it. I think he sort of lacks a little in the area of the power of the spirit, but he's got this great framework in terms of the kingdom of God. So get your teeth into him. He's a great, great, great teacher. But Tom wrote in his book, he says, the cross was that moment. And wasn't that great last Friday out at the dam? Just to be able to be there again, it was like beautiful. Just beautiful. Be able to sit in creation like that with each other and with God and gather around the cross and break bread and drink the cup. When I got there, I was just like, I stood up and I was like, looked at everyone and I went, hang on a minute, I just need to take this all in. I was just getting overwhelmed because I'd realised that there was this, I'd missed something more than I'd (laughs) realised. More than I'd realised. But anyway, the cross was that moment when something happened as a result of which the world became a different place, inaugurating God's future plan. The revolution began then and there. And Jesus' resurrection was the first sign that this revolution was indeed underway. Don't you love that? That's some serious revelation right there. Notice he didn't say, and because Jesus was raised from the dead, you have to wait until you die to go to heaven. He doesn't say that. I think Tom's onto something. I think he's got an understanding of the big story of God, where God is renewing the heavens and the earth and bringing all things together in his son, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, what Tom's saying is, in the resurrection of Jesus, the future has begun right now. And we can experience all of that future reality now going forward. This is why we pray with faith to see the sick healed. This is why we feed the poor. This is why we believe God resources our life with his generosity. This is the way of the kingdom. But the cross and the resurrection is meant to make a difference. Like now, like right now in your life and mine in the life of our country, in the life of the world, in the life of creation itself, the death and resurrection of Jesus is meant to make a difference right now. You're not living for then and sundry. You're getting the access to the then and sundry right now. We're meant to be a people, and I love that song we sang this morning, and you've won my heart. Who's won your heart? (laughs) who's won your heart? That's the question. That's the big question. Who's won your heart? Because where your heart is, there your treasures will be given. That's what you'll worship. That's what you'll give yourself to. That's what you'll serve and give yourself to freely for the rest of your life, for the very things that have won your heart. What's won your heart? The cross and the resurrection is God saying, will Will you give me your heart? Have I done enough to win your heart? Have I done enough to win your heart? I've broken the power of sin. I've conquered death. I've forgiven you. I've welcomed you. I've restored you. I've reconciled you. I've given you a new identity of what it really means to be a human being in my son's resurrection. Look at him and you can live like him. Have I won your heart? That's, that's, the, that's the cry from God's throne to his creation. 
I, I pray that we can answer that one with great boldness and confidence without even having to second guess that. Of course, Lord, you've won my heart. Yes, it's a, and that means just a life of yes, Lord, whatever, whatever you say, whatever you want from me, it's, your, it's all yours. You've won my heart. You know, we're supposed to see that in marriages. Marriage is meant to be this mysterious union between a man and a woman that reflects the Godhead. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they've won their heart to each other and the overflow of that through a marriage of a man and a woman is meant to be this reflection of, you've won my heart. So Nick asks me for stuff, you know, all sorts of stuff. Of course, of course, you've won my heart. I know it's not what you want, Kirk, and I, I know, you know, you've got things to do and time and limited energy and resource, but would you do this for me? Of course, you've won my heart. This is, this is the nature of our relationship with God. Now, I know a lot of marriages aren't like that, but help us, Lord, live like that, because marriage is meant to be like that. Marriage is meant, I don't know why I'm pushing on to marriage this morning all of a sudden, but marriage is meant to be this signpost to the world that says God's won our heart. He's won the heart of the world through his son, Jesus. I just want to just release everyone right now from just guilt and shame and performance where you feel like you've failed in marriages. I just break the condemning voice of the enemy of, of Jesus off your life and set you free from it in Jesus' name and say you are fully acceptable and fully welcome into the presence of God. He loves you. He loves you. For those of you in your marriages, you're feeling like this is not going as well as I'd hoped. I pray for a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit to come. Where you could look at each other in the eyes again and say, man, you've won my heart. That the world might know Jesus. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure why I went there. <laughs> Let's grab that Bible verse. Luke 24, if you haven't got it there, I, I'm going to try and, there it is, um, one too far forward, it should be one back. Trista, can you help me? I'm a bit slow on this this morning. It's meant to be one slide back. There it is, from verse 13. So, verse 13, this is two of Jesus' disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's about an 11k walk from where they were to go to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened and they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up walking and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, one of them named Cleopas, he asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening here in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, 
they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place and in addition to that, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but they didn't find his body They came and they told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who'd said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. And has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when they when he broke the bread. This morning, if I can go to the next um, slide, thanks, Trista. This morning, oh, oh, let's go through to the one where it says hope at the at the top of it. Next one, mate. Our pewter's a bit slow, isn't it? (laughs) There we go. I just want to talk about, you know, we, we, we like to live at one end of the spectrum or the other, don't we? We either like to live in the place of hope dashed, because it's clearly defined, or we like to live in the other end of the, the, the continuum of hopefully realised and revealed, because that's nice and neat too, to live in that space. But in this story... We see in this account, we see these two disciples of Jesus, they're living in both ends of hope delayed and hope revealed and the tension of that all at the one time. And kingdom people, Jesus people, this is the way of the kingdom. Now, right now, we are a people who learn to live with the challenge of hope delayed and hope revealed all on the same day and all in the same circumstance. We are a people who are learning to become, become comfortable in that tension. Over the last sort of 14 months, I mean, if we just closed our eyes and thought about a, maybe a list of the things that for you over the last 14 months you had hoped would happen but haven't. The things that prior to, you know, the whole COVID thing hitting the world, you had this 
plan in place. Oh yeah, this year's going to be this and we're going to do that and we're going to come on and do this. And, but then all of a sudden it was just rudely interrupted. And you've had to live in this place of, I had to let it go. I'd hoped that would happen. But it hasn't. Take a bit of a list of those things. Those dreams you've had to let go. And in the midst of all of that, we've been discovering about ourselves what we've really been hanging on to. Those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you see, they, they understand that dynamic. They said, we had hoped. We had hoped. In other words, they had given away their hope. We had hoped he would be the one. We had hoped. It's past tense. They're now living in a place of hope dashed. They were living as people with delayed hope. They were living with a profound sense of hope that was broken and dashed that it left them in an emotional state of, I believe, a depression that so veiled them they could not see the very presence of the living Christ right next to them. I believe that that was not just a spiritual dynamic they were dealing with, but that was a physiological reality of their depression. We had hoped. You see, when you live without hope, it's hard to picture the future. It's even hard to get up and do today without hope. That's what these guys are living with. I think they get, I think they get what we're walking through. They were dealing with a depression and an inability in that depression to hold true to their worldview that God was writing a good big story and they were safe in it. Even as God was working it out and they couldn't understand it. They had hoped. It's hard sometimes when our hopes and plans and dreams don't pan out the way we think that they should or would. But in the midst of this, are we holding on to the dreams or are we holding on to Jesus? Are we holding on to our perception of what hope should look like or are we holding on to the living Christ who comes and draws near? You know, when Nick and I, we were in our journey to having three, you know, amazing children who are now nearly all grown up and on their way in life, you know, we had a hope in our heart that we would have kids. From the moment we met, we were like, yeah, we're going to have kids. We had a bit of a, you know, to and fro over how many, but, you know, eventually we landed on the same page. And um, as we, we began that journey, we prayed for kids. We prepared for kids. We asked for kids. We saw all these people around us having kids, and yet we weren't. And the very, very floor that you're sitting on, we sowed litres of tears into this ground here, asking for children. It was a delayed hope. It was this hope that seemed so far off, and yet it was so somehow 
big within us that it was consuming us. It was like God put this desire within us and we could see it happening for others all around us and yet not for ourselves. And after the journey of, with the help of doctors, we had two amazing children, Caitlin and then Luke. Man, they fill our life up and they require a lot of our life too, as children do. But we knew we weren't finished. We knew we were meant to have a third. We knew we were meant to have a third child. And in the midst of that, we were both just worn out from the whole process of the first two pregnancies. It's like, we just don't, we got to the point, we just fronted up and we said, God, we, we just don't want, we don't want to do that journey again. We just don't want to do that journey again. Partly because we were like, just worn out by it and partly though we still carried this hope well anyways as it happened Nicole fell pregnant God just intervened into our story in a way that previously doctors and everyone else said wouldn't happen and yet God did and we had Sarah and so her middle name is Hope hope she's a living story of the goodness of God to our life for all of the tears that we cried out for and we cried him out because he placed a hope in us what are you crying what what are you crying out for what are you crying out for pay attention to it pay attention to the hope that Jesus has placed in your lives is it for your children is it for yourself? Is it for your work colleagues? Is it for um, the guys that you go to university with? What's, what's, what are you crying out for? What's the hope that Christ has placed in you to, to, to partner with him for that it might come into the earth? It's really hard sometimes, though, to hold on to Jesus and maintain that sense of kingdom life in the midst of a delay, hope delayed and hope dashed. And yet at the same time, it's this great place of joy and thanksgiving when we live in this place of actually seeing hope revealed at the same time. Let's go to the next one. Thanks, Trista. This morning, I really want to point out this reality that happened to these guys on the road, because I think this is a, a, there's a new beginning that the Spirit is calling people into. And it's, I think the new beginning that's here in this account is the place of the Holy Scriptures. The place of the Holy Scriptures. I think it's on the rise. I'm not saying it's in place of Jesus. (laughs) That's not what we're about. But it helps us know Jesus and know the ways of Jesus and it empowers us to do what Jesus does. The place of the scriptures 
You see, when Jesus came to those disciples on the midst of their emotional state of depression and hope delayed and dashed, he recentered their life by drawing them into God's work and story by opening the scriptures. If anyone just wants to tell you this is just something with a bit of text on it, they don't understand it. They haven't read it. I don't know what I just said. You'll have to listen. Here, that, okay, back there. Okay. Jesus came to them and recentered their life in the big story of God by opening the scriptures to them. I tell you, not, wherever I go, and there's not a lot of people opening the scriptures anymore. There's not a lot of people opening the scriptures. And it's not like we have to go far to get them. They're on our phones. There's so many apps, tools, tips, hints, road entry points. It is prolific, the access that we have to the scriptures now. But there's not a lot of people reading them. I think, I think the Holy Spirit in this season is about to launch an appetite for the opening of the Bible again in people's daily living. Like daily living. Meeting with God as we open the Bible. Don't let the enemy guilt you either in this, as you're hearing this. Don't let the enemy beat up on you. Just tell him to pipe down and go away. It's an invitation from God saying, hey, have I won your heart? Have I won your heart? The opening of the scriptures. This is a new season of new beginnings through the risen Jesus. And as he draws near on your journey and ours, he will recenter your life and our life into what he is doing as we open the scriptures with him and with each other. There is a season of discipleship at hand and with many new beginnings that are being birthed in each and every one of you. And it will not surprise me if all of a sudden you find yourself wanting to read more of the Bible because that's what happens when the risen Christ comes alongside. Let's jump on to the next one. Thanks, Trista. There's just a couple of things here I want to point out. Notice that Jesus comes alongside them. And notice how even their own um, depression, their own hope dashed and delayed, their own inability to even recognize God was not enough to stop Jesus reaching them. It doesn't matter how big our pain is or our sense of hopelessness or our sense of frustration. None of that is big enough to stop Jesus coming alongside and reaching us. He loves us. That's why he rose from the dead. He loves us. He wants us to enter into the joy of a relationship with the Father. Jesus is drawing alongside. Intimacy takes place when he does this. You see, he walks with us. He comes to us in our daily context. He draws close once again. He, he looks beyond your, our, our self-identification. He looks beyond that. He looks beyond our, he, he just launches through that and says, here I am. <laughs> I love you. 
We need a new awareness that the Holy Spirit is bringing, that Jesus is drawing alongside us. Even in dashed hopes, even in delayed frustrations, even in mental confusion, emotional fatigue, and all that is associated with all of that, none of it's a barrier to him walking with us. None of it. We also need to let Jesus place us in his story, revelation. Oh, that's right. You tell me who I am. You tell me what the big story of God is. You author my faith. You've caught my heart. You, you, Jesus. He gets to centre our life again in the big story of God. There's revelation in this season as we open the scriptures. It's like yesterday, Nicole, I'm working away making a sandwich, I think, at lunchtime, and Nicole's like lying on the couch. She says, you know, I'm just about through Leviticus. And then she reads out this stuff to me all about, you know, the role of the, <laughs> the role of the priests and what was acceptable as a priest to be able to make the offerings before God. And we had a bit of a giggle and a laugh about it <laughs> because it, it's quite detailed if you want to go and have a look. But anyways, <laughs> uh, she, she's like, I didn't know, you know, this about God and it just opened up this whole conversation of engagement with God and with each other it was it was amazing just she was just I was making lunch and she was reading the Bible just opened up this revelation moment there was intimacy with God there was revelation and there was a sense of being found as well that's where we that's that's us in the story we see ourselves there We find ourselves there in the story of God. And I think one of the other things is in this season, the Holy Spirit who empowers our faith and who was the power that helped rise Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, the power of God. As he comes to us, he will empower us to partner with the worldview of Jesus once again and walk in it with authority as people who are coming alive to God because we've placed our hope in a person and we're living in his story and we're walking out his life purpose for us and we do it with hearts you'll notice the one thing that these guys said after Jesus had lunch with them and or dinner with them and then Jesus was gone and they said the first thing they said weren't our hearts burning within us See, the first, one of the first signs of new beginnings, of a work of the Spirit, is the heart. It begins to feel the fiery presence of God. It begins to become soft again to the presence of the Holy Spirit, to the presence of God. It begins to beat again. You begin to feel the, the pulse of the heart in your neck. It, it becomes alive again. It starts to come alive. This is the signs that Jesus is drawing near to you in this season. The heart starts to come alive again. Some of you are sitting here this morning and he's going, your hearts are coming alive again to Jesus. How do I get to enter into this reality? Well, do you want to go to the next one for me, Trista? How do we enter this one? Well, I'm just going to lean on the words of Jesus. Jesus said in John 3 when he was talking to someone else who was asking about how do I get in on this? He says, you've got to be born again. 
You've got to be born again. If you want to see this kingdom, if you want to live this life, you've got to be born again. Your heart needs to be born again. Your heart needs to come alive to God. You need to come alive. Born again. That's, that's how you enter into this thing. We're not our hearts on fire when he opened the scriptures to us on the road. There's marriages in this room that need a new beginning. There's people caught in this room with mental health fatigue and exhaustion and physiological damage that need a new beginning. Jesus is drawing near. I'm going after this with Jesus. I am sick and tired of people being mentally sick and tired. That is not from our God. It is part of the battle, but it is a spiritual one. And anyone that says you just need to lump it and just think, oh, we'll leave it to the sovereignty of God, does not understand Jesus Christ and what he has authorised us as his disciples to do. Do the works of Christ. Deliver the sick. Set them free. There are people here in this room whose hope has been centred on other things. And Jesus is asking today, will you let me be the centre? There are people in this room with cycles of brokenness, of unhealthy, sinful, broken choices that you know are doing damage. You know it. And yet you still partner with it. And God says, will you let my love put be in that place? Have I won your heart? It is time to fess that stuff up, cough it out and let it go and leave it there. Don't pick it up again. There's people here both within the reach of my voice in this room and those that are going to listen back to this podcast who've given up on the church. Jesus is drawing alongside you too because Jesus is building a revolution people in the earth, the community of the Holy Spirit, anointed by the living, risen God, Jesus Christ, to do his bidding, to do his work till he returns. And they gather in groups and they gather in communities where they prefer each other and they serve as a signpost to the world and a provocation to the kingdom of darkness that says, you are not king, our Jesus is. And we live according to his rule and reign. We live in his authority and power and we do what he says for us to do. And it doesn't have to be culturally acceptable and it doesn't have to be everyone has to love us for it. No, no, no. We're not drawing our love from the world. We're drawing it from Jesus who loves the world. We don't hate the world. We love the world. And so we partner with Jesus to live a better story that provokes the enemy and points to the world that says, here, here is the way to live life. And we don't do it with perfection. We do it with the grace of God, honestly and beautifully before each other and with the hope of our God. Jesus is drawing near. 
Don't give up on the church. Do not give up on the body of Christ. Pray for her. Because you belong to her the day you connected up with Jesus. And lastly, there's people in this room who've given up on their children, who've given up on their grandchildren, they've given up on their colleagues, their neighbours. You have given up on them ever coming to Christ. Let that go today. Let your heart come alive to the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead. And we all get to enter into the power of that good news. We all get to live that life. Your children are not lost forever. Continue to provoke them with your love. Call them to Jesus. Pray with them. Pray for them. Your grandchildren, your work colleagues, those stubborn ones next door that just go, yeah, you do the church thing, the religion thing, not for me. Pray for them. Keep inviting them to Jesus. Keep looking to their needs and how you can serve their needs. Don't give up on them either. Well, don't give up on Jesus who hasn't given up on meeting them and drawing alongside them. Just look for what the Father's doing and join in.